Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. On October 27th, a Saturday morning, Jews in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, gathered in a synagogue entitled Tree of Life. Shortly after services began at 9.45, an individual later identified as Robert Bowers, age 46, entered the synagogue and began to fire a, uh, an assault w- rifle and had in his possession two um, handguns. Though it is not usual for Jews in synagogue to use their cell phones, and in reality, rabbis often remind worshipers to turn off their cell phones when they enter the sanctuary, Phone calls were made immediately to 911, and within a minute, the police responded to the call for help, and um, a gun battle ensued. At the end of the gun battle, the alleged perpetrator was wounded. Two members of first responding police force were wounded, Two other worshipers were wounded, and 11 members of the congregation were killed. It was, as far as one can determine, the worst act of murderous violence perpetrated against a North American Jewish community. And this morning, we want to talk about the aftermath of that shooting. There are many ways to understand it and um, many ways to respond to it. My guest this morning is Rabbi Aten Kenter, who serves as the senior rabbi of Kehilat Beit Israel Congregation in Ottawa. Rabbi Kenter is an ordained rabbi through the Jewish Theological Seminary, affiliated with the conservative movement, and also a trained and certified Jewish educator. Welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, Rabbi. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm sorry that we sorry, come no, together. Under the circumstances. Right, yes. under the circumstances. Um, what I wanted to begin with, of course, is what your personal response was to the events on Shabbat. And in fact, did you know about it during the hours of worship, or did you hear about it later? Uh, it was... Interesting that I only found out about what was going on in Pittsburgh uh, late on Saturday afternoon. Uh, So I guess we have either an early enough arriving crowd on Shabbat or just people who weren't uh, listening or watching the news on their way to services. But uh, throughout the entirety of the morning service and the uh, luncheon to follow, uh, there was no word or knowledge of what was going on in Pittsburgh. Uh, we went over to someone's house later on uh, Saturday afternoon, and it was only then that we discovered uh, a little bit about what had happened, and only after uh, the Sabbath had ended that we had the chance to turn on CNN and spend the rest of the evening glued to our screens, uh, learning more about what had happened in Pittsburgh. 
And um, since you appeared to have learned about it later than many people in um, your congregation in the city of Ottawa and throughout the world, what was your response uh, after the Shabbat, which would have been 8 o'clock in the evening? Uh Uh, So my response was a simultaneous sense of both shock that something like this could happen uh, because, as you said before, this is likely the uh, the largest assault on the, specifically the Jewish community in North American history, uh, while at the same time, uh, lack of shock being that it's only in the last couple of years that you can find uh, someone going into a mosque in Quebec and shooting up the mosque there or the uh, church in South Carolina just a couple of years ago as well. Uh, so while it's shocking, it's also not shocking. Uh, as anti-Semitism has existed within our world for millennia and, uh, and attacks on the houses of worship and uh, different minorities is unfortunately a reality that we've become all too accustomed to. Are, are you suggesting, uh, perhaps you are or not, that mm-hmm. um, the attacks on worship that you outlined in South Carolina um, and in Quebec and now in Pittsburgh are a growing and expanding phenomenon? Uh, I think that if Jewish history has taught us anything, it's that history is cyclical and not linear. Uh, and so there is a sense that uh, history has a tendency to repeat itself. And so uh, in many ways, uh, the things that we encounter here are new to us because thankfully it has not become terribly common uh, within our society for these sorts of events to take place. But if you went back to the 1950s, 1960s, it would not have been uncommon to hear about houses of worship, in particular in the American South, whether it be a church in Birmingham or the temple in Atlanta, Georgia, being bombed because of their involvement with uh, civil rights. So, uh, so I thank you for I thank you for reminding us all about that cyclical nature of violence. You are correct in suggesting that. Um, Our memories are short, uh, somewhat because of our lifespan, um, but also that we now have new forms of communication. So what happened in the 50s and 60s may not have been as easily transmitted to the entire world as what Mm -hmm. happens in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Though uh, I think the fact that even at that time you could begin to see the images on television screens, I think, made a big difference. And the response, and so in the same way, I think the solidarity that we're able to provide through social media and the Internet, I think, hopefully is a source of uh, strength and support for the people of Pittsburgh in this time as well. And did you find that sense of support um, offered to your congregation and to you personally by members of the Ottawa religious community? Uh, so, uh, yes, we uh, got a number of messages from the uh, Large Ottawa community and the uh, the other uh, religious communities of Ottawa. Uh, we also had the opportunity to come together as uh, a Jewish community of Ottawa this past Sunday evening, uh, where we were able to come together, uh, Jews and non-Jews, uh, Jews of all stripes, to come together and uh, support for not only the people and the Jews of Pittsburgh, but for the Jewish community here in Ottawa as well. And 
You've shared with us your personal response. What's the sense you have from your congregation? Uh, besides the immediate horror of 11 individuals um, and 11 members of the Jewish community murdered, what's your sense of them in terms of um, their response to this event and uh, the anti-Semitic nature of it? I would say the response is two or threefold. I would say there is certainly... Uh, a lot of people who uh, are more interested in coming to services this week than last as a way to come together with their community uh, to feel that sense of uh, of coming together uh, that so they don't have to feel like they're being Jewish alone to feel the support uh, of their fellow Jews and their fellow larger community. Uh, there have been a lot of questions about security um, at the building. Uh, a little, uh, just about two years ago is when uh, the... A uh, young man was uh, putting anti-Semitic graffiti on a number of buildings around uh, the city of Ottawa, and we were uh, the first of those buildings. And so not since then has there been this kind of uptick in requests about what are our security protocols, are we secure enough, what else do we need to do? Um, and also just asking what they can do and acknowledging that these sorts of things uh, happen within our world, unfortunately, but how can we as a community best respond to them? Um, in the reporting from Pittsburgh, um, it appeared that the congregation had, in fact, um, had an opportunity to train members of the congregation for such an eventuality. Mm-hmm. Um, would you think that that would be something that your congregation would now consider? I think so, and I think that we have had those plans in place as a congregation, uh, for a very long time, but haven't done a, a drill of it. Right. Uh, and I think that the events in Pittsburgh have reminded us that having the plans are not sufficient, but it's important to make sure that everyone is aware of them so that uh, for hopefully the event will never come, but just in case that we know what to do in case of an emergency. And I would gather, knowing your congregation, that um, you would have many more people there on a Shabbat morning than appeared to be in the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, so, well, I would say when services start, we don't have that many more people. <laughs> uh, the, the Jewish people are not the most timely of people. Um, but, uh, but certainly by the time that services have gotten running, there would be a, a few more people there than, than had been a Tree of Life. Um, I thank you for sharing with us. And now I'd like if we could to switch gears mm-hmm. and put this in a more, um, what I'll call theological context, but a more faith-based context and ask you, um, faced with a tragedy like this, how do you explain to um, the various age groups in your synagogue um, as people of faith and yourself as a person of faith, um, events such as this? Um, that's a, it's a really important question. I feel like uh, similar to after September 11th, when uh, we couldn't avoid teaching our children about death and tragedy because it just was so present in their lives, uh, this is another event within the Jewish community that has reminded us that as much as we might want to keep our children innocent and protected, that there's no way to fully avoid their uh, navigating these particular uh, realities. Um, I I think that one of the things that I always remember is uh, a teaching from 
Squirrel Hill, uh, which is the community in Pittsburgh that was um, where the synagogue was. Uh, maybe their greatest son is Fred Rogers uh, from Mr. Rogers' fame, who, when asked that same question, said, find the helpers. Uh, that as much as we need to be prepared for the worst, uh, there are also uh, the police officers that ran in to try to help, and the other individuals from the community heard what was happening who ran in an attempt to help. The people who have uh, raised literally over a million dollars to support uh, the community there. And so while it is important to teach them about the challenges of being Jewish, the acknowledgement that not everybody likes being Jewish, the, that likes Jewish people, and so there are those realities that come along with being Jewish, there's also the importance of remembering that even in the face of great darkness that there are glimmers of light that we need to acknowledge as well. So you focus on the beauty that um, there are helpers in our lives, um, but our lives are never a sure thing. Mm -hmm. And the helpers come uh, after uh, this event, um, and we don't know much about the police officers who were shot, um, and we don't know whether they... um, knew um, Jews personally or what their perspective was on Judaism. So while that was good advice from Mr. Rogers, and we'll (laughs) accept it, um, here we had an experience where an individual enters into a synagogue and says, all Jews must die. And while there is Uh a truth that all Jews will die— Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to not want that to be done at the hands of others. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we say to members of your congregation of a variety of ages mm-hmm. about this kind of um, virulent anti-Semitism? Um, and what do we say about the kind of person who perpetrates it? Mm-hmm. And so I would say... Uh, Number one is oftentimes, uh, especially with children, but I think with adults as well, uh, we come into the conversation with a particular objective or trying to come up with what do we need to convince them of or tell them, uh, when in fact the most important thing is to allow them to feel the way that they feel, to validate the feelings of the feeling, and to support them in uh, navigating those feelings. So I think... In all of those emotions that are bound to come up, uh, the sense of fear, of sadness, of terror, to uh, allow people to understand that those feelings are natural and appropriate, uh, and to uh, support them and to stand with them and to pray with them as they navigate those feelings. Uh, The other piece uh, related to that idea is to say that an act of terror to frighten us and to cause us to no longer feel comfortable and no longer be able to live our lives as we wish. Uh, I learned a lot in the summer of uh, 1997. I was in Jerusalem, and that summer there was a terror attack in the uh, Makana Yehuda market, and the very next day they cleaned up and people were back in the market uh, ready to do their shopping because they knew if they didn't go back, if they didn't still continue their lives as normal, they were allowing the perpetrator of that act of terror to have changed their lives in ways that uh, they didn't want to give them the power to be able to do. 
And so that's why the Shout for Shabbat campaign that started from the American Jewish Committee, encouraging people to come to services to Shabbat, encouraging people to show up for Shabbat just as those 11 uh, individuals did the Shabbat before, being able to say that I'm going to look into the face of terror and not allow it to change me, to make me any less uh, proud or able to practice my Judaism, I think is uh, an important statement to be able to make. So you've called the events in uh, Squirrel Hill um, a terrorist attack. And do you make a distinction between um, a terrorist attack and acts of anti-Semitism? I'm, uh, because there are many different ways for people to manifest anti-Jewish feeling. Um, not all of them lead to murderous behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we equate um, this behavior in Pittsburgh with uh, terrorism, um, does that put it in a different category than anti-Semitism? So I would say that uh, for me, it's uh, the language rather than a terrorist attack gives the credit to the perpetrator. I would use the language of acts of terror um, in that the action has caused people to feel a sense of terror. But that's why people are concerned about their security in the building in a way that they weren't two weeks ago, because uh, this perpetrator was successful in making people feel more nervous going into their synagogue uh, this week than they were last week, even though We've been reassured by uh, any number of sources that there's no reason to be any more afraid this week than the last. So I think that, that that's where the language of terror would come into play, in a way that anti-Semitism can exist as an idea, uh, but doesn't necessarily always have that particular effect. I think that if you were to ask the congregation uh, a week ago, is there anti-Semitism in the world, is there anti-Semitism in North America, the answer would be yes, but it wouldn't change who they were or what they did any more so uh, than, uh, than they're already doing in a way that this particular act, I think, has caused people to both relate to their Judaism and think about their Judaism in a way that was different than before. So I'm um, struck by this notion that you suggest that the members of your community and maybe the Jewish community in general recognize that anti-Semitism exists but they've um, acclimated and uh, uh, acclimatized themselves to the existence of anti-Semitism, and certainly non-violent forms of Mm -hmm. anti-Semitism. But an event like this actualizes um, perhaps some deep-seated anxiety Mm -hmm. about um, living even here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed that um, there are members of the community that you've been in touch with who now begin to express um, their concerns that um, anti-Semitism is on the rise or that they are uh, living at a time when they are more endangered? Mm-hmm. Uh- I think that the, the call for greater or enhanced security is the manifestation of that particular idea. Uh-huh. I think that one of the challenges that we navigate uh, in Canadian jury is an acknowledgement that there are trends that are 
true for all of North America and there are terms that are uniquely American or uniquely Canadian. Uh, and uh, fortunately or unfortunately, oftentimes the things that happen in the United States happen in Canada just a little bit later. Uh, and so what do we need to be keeping an eye out for here uh, so that even though thankfully our gun control laws may have helped to uh, lessen the magnitude of an attack such as this one, uh, that what trends are we seeing within our society of growing extremism? What are we seeing in terms of greater polarization? What are we seeing in terms of uh, the ability of people to um, share ideas that are uh, not as extreme or as violent uh, as some people may hear it to be and uh, give them an excuse to behave in a way in which they uh, behave? Um, I think that an example of how this comes into play in a, a slightly different way is even in relation to how do we stay and relate to the question of refugees. That uh, among the things that came out was that the reason why this individual attacked that synagogue is because they are participating in a special Shabbat uh, regarding the welcoming of refugees. And he was no, so not the Shabbat that, that he, the, a previous Shabbat. Yeah, yes. but they had, they had participated Correct, in that. that there had been um, a call for synagogues throughout the world. I don't know if mm -hmm. your synagogue in particular, mm -hmm. but I know that many synagogues throughout North America had per participated in a Shabbat dedicated to the ingathering of immigrants. Mm -hmm. And you're right that in calling out the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, or what's now known as the Jewish Immigrant Aid Society, he seemed to be um, responding to the uh, news regarding the caravan of um, individuals, mothers and children, primarily moving from Central America mm -hmm. towards the American border and um, seemed to be in um, a manner that was less clear associating the Jewish Immigrant Aid Society with um, those potential immigrants to the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and so here in Canada, there are also questions that are navigated in terms of how many refugees should be allowing in, what happens to them when they get here, what is our role in relationship as a community to uh, support those refugees and those sorts of questions. And so uh, while the questions are navigated differently in Canada than in the States, we kind of see these examples of ways that from the United States can permeate up into Canada as well. That's interesting. I know that your congregation, as with many religious institutions, has supported um, a refugee family um, from the Syrian conflict. Uh -huh. um, I don't know if they're Syrians, but um, the aftermath of that conflict has brought many refugees to this country. Have you heard in the last um, few weeks people questioning whether that was a good idea, or have you seen a renewed interest in um, Jews affirming um, the ingathering of the exiles? I would say... Both are true. I think that there's an overwhelming amount of the congregation who are very supportive of the work of uh, the Shalom groups that have been involved in bringing over this family and supporting them once they're here, and uh, a renewed commitment to that idea in the face of this tragedy last week. Uh, but at the same time, uh, around uh, breakfast table after services, there are conversations that still continue about 
Um, what are the implications of these choices in relation to refugees? How do we make sure that the people coming over are sufficiently vetted? And that, uh, and those sorts of questions, and you hear those kind of murmurs within the congregation as well. Pittsburgh, as you well know, is a well-established Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Jews have been living there for over a hundred years. Some have suggested for as many as a hundred and fifty years. Um, and are well integrated into the Pittsburgh community, and I think it would be fair to say have a a sense of acceptance um, and a sense of security based on their history. Jews of Canada don't have that history. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, Jews of Canada, which have a more recent history, and we remember the events of World War II and the the refusal of the government to allow the docking of the St. Louis or um, the famous phrase, none is too many. Do you think these events and others like them challenge the basic fabric of security for uh, members of your congregation and for Canadian Jews uh, in general? Um, I think that for me, the piece that is most challenging is in the face of moments like this, we realize that Jews are insider-outsiders and that there are ways in which we are insiders, that we're part of the mainstream of Canadian society, and there are ways that we're still outsiders, we're still a minority. And I think that we often are so uh, convinced of seeing ourselves as part of mainstream white society that when events like this happen, it's a reminder that we're not fully part of the mainstream. We're still an oppressed minority of sorts, one that can come under attack. And I think that our challenge uh, in the face of that, and looking at questions like in relation to refugees and others, is to remember that just as we want that support, just as we know we need that support as a minority uh, in times of trouble and times of distress, so it's our responsibility to be there for other minorities and other groups who need us in those times of distress. And hopefully that's one of the takeaways that we carry with us out of uh, this terrible tragedy in in Pittsburgh, is that uh, just as we appreciate the amazing support that we've received, so too is it our responsibility to provide that same support and solidarity to anyone else who should need it along the way. That's a very uh, helpful uh, perspective that Jews do um, sometimes forget um, that we have both inside and outside uh, status in this country. We have well integrated into the economic fabric of the community, and we should feel blessed for that. Um, and our children go to university and in the main have been successful. Um, but there are other communities that haven't been as successful in the integration. Um, and we should use the blessings that we have reaped um, to help others who are less uh, blessed at this stage of their existence in Canada. My guest this morning has been Rabbi Eitan Kenter from Congregation uh uh, from Kehilat Beit Israel Congregation in Ottawa, and we've been chatting about the events 
in Pittsburgh and its aftermath um, and the murder of 11 uh, Jewish worshipers in Tree of Life Synagogue. Um, I want to thank Rabbi Kentner for sharing with us this morning, for raising some important issues and for offering some great perspective on the varieties of issues. You can listen to a rebroadcast of this on the CHRI website, and you can find a podcast of this on iTunes. Uh, Rabbi Kentner, thank you. And for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Shalom and have a good day. Israel, she-